we are going to talk about Jesus, where he's mentioned in the Creed. Um, last week we talked about him coming, that he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. This week we're going to talk about, for our sake, he was crucified under, under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. There's a, a lot that's going on in present day, present day theological discussion that is complaining about the creed, various creeds, because they don't cover everything. And this is a really good example because we talked about Jesus being born of the Virgin Mary and became man. Three years later, crucified under Pontius Pilate, dies, rises from the dead, and we never talked about Jesus' life. And so people are saying, we shouldn't focus on the creeds because they overlook all the stuff, and it's really important that we talk about all the things that Jesus did, and that's fine, you know. Um, but... I think, the, I think the thing that's so cool and concise about the creed and, and I teaching, teachings like this is that I can believe that Jesus turned water into wine. And that was a really big deal and that was really neat and still go to hell. I can believe that Jesus, it, it, if I'm focusing on Jesus' life and all the stuff that he did Miracles and teachings, I reduce him to being just a man or a magician. And when they were making the creed, they weren't in a culture like ours where I can pick up a 300-page book and read about every country in the world and how many churches there are in it. They were dealing with people that were illiterate. They were dealing with people, there just wasn't a lot of scientific knowledge. There wasn't a lot of history knowledge. The only history knowledge that you would know would be stories of your family. And stories of your family told in the context of, well, you know, that was when so-and-so was king. Or that was when so-and-so was the ruler over this area. And that would be all the world history that you would know. So they're trying to get, we got to get the message about Jesus and the message about salvation and the Christian life and the whole Christian religion packed into this little thing that's easy for people to remember because the more stuff we pack in, the more stuff they have to remember, the more it's going to get off. And that's, if you watch church history from 300 to about 2016, you can see how far off the church gets when it tries to get more complicated and more uh, robust in, in its ideas. Some of that we'll talk about later. But um, so, with all that said, I, I'm just I think about kids at camp this week and the, the past weeks. So we had a hundred kids at camp, and the things that those kids learn about the Bible that might be the only time they learn anything about the Bible. You know, just like when kids graduate from childcare, if they don't go to church anywhere, if their parents aren't taking them to church anywhere, they don't have any influence this might be their all they learn 
And so, um, so you don't worry about teaching them about transubstantiation and, and um, whether or not the bread in communion turns into the body of Christ or if it's really just bread. That's what that is. You worry about Jesus died on the cross for your sins. So that's what we're talking about today. Our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and he died and was buried. In the Apostles' Creed, and sometimes in the Nicene Creed, it'll slip in, that he descended into hell. And sometimes people are like, what? So, let's talk about that. Um, there's a lot of question about where did Jesus go when he died? What happened? He is on the cross. And this guy next to him, dying on the cross, says, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus said, this is Luke 23, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me. I'm going to be there too. And we will be in paradise. Okay? Peter says in 1 Peter 3, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Jesus died in the spirit, went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was prepared, in which a few, that is eight people, were brought safely through the water. So something went on that when Jesus died in the spirit, he went and preached to people in a prison that disobeyed God in the days of Noah. Okay? Is it getting weirder? Hold on. It'll get weirder still. Jesus tells a parable. And he tells a parable about a rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man has this house and he steps over Lazarus every day. Lazarus is the poor man laying at the door. He's so poor, he can't even get the dogs to not lick his wounds. If you think about it, that's how poor he is. Poor man died, was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all that, between us, you, us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and no one can cross from there to us. None of that clears anything up, does it? Uh, I want to read all of that stuff, because without that, 
our ideas of heaven and hell and what they are are all made out of movies. And movies are make-believe. And it's really easy for us to watch a movie and it'd be really exciting and to think, you know what, I think it's kind of like that. But it doesn't have anything to do with what's in the Bible. <laughs> what's in the scripture. So, let's talk about what the Jewish people thought about death. What the Greek people thought about where you go after you die. All that. Because Jesus is in that context. Hades was the place where the bad people went. And it was fire. And it was miserable. So, Jesus could have been talking to Greek people and Jewish people that are all influenced by their culture because he's telling a parable about taking care of poor people. It's not a parable about judgment and the end of the world. So all of a sudden that throws all kinds of controversy into this. Just like in a parable, when, when Jesus tells the parable of the sower, that the, that the sower throws his, his seed on stony ground and he throws it on the road and he throws it on fertile soil. Okay, the other part of that is people would hear that story and they'd say, you never throw your seed on the road. But for the purpose of the parable, Jesus describes throwing your seed on the road. So just because this, he says these things, because he's saying them in a parable, doesn't mean he's given us a blueprint of what the, you know, the floor plan of hell. He's, he's speaking to the culture and his whole point in this was to take care of the poor people, not let me tell you what hell's like, let me tell you what heaven's like. But still, he is talking about it and he has seen it. So he does speak out of his own experience. When he died, oh wait, I gotta read one more. What is certain is what happens in the book of Revelation and Jesus describes himself. This is John. John says this. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. But he laid his right hand on me and he said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. And I am the living one. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys to death and Hades. So if you have the keys to something, that was their way of saying you have control over it. You, you have complete, you have a refrigerator privileges. Somebody gives you the key of the city, you know, they do that whole thing. That's, there's, you're not going to go unlock the city somewhere. It's basically saying, hey, folks, we're honoring this guy. If he comes to your restaurant, take care of him. He's got the key to the city. If he comes to your hotel and needs a room, that room that's always open, that you always keep, even when you're full, that's the room he gets. He's got the key to the city. So Jesus is saying, I have the key. I, I have total ownership and control over and rule over death and Hades. I, I rule. I, I've taken over. That's what, that's what happened when Jesus died. He went to that place where dead people go. And, and there were a bunch of people waiting. Now, do you remember the whole string that we did with the whole thing about time? If you waddle all that up and there's no time, that's where they are. So it's not like 
they were waiting for Jesus for a long time because time isn't a thing. Does that make sense? So to people that are in time, it might seem like a long time because we live in time. But to people that are out of time, it's not a long time. <laughs> wow, that was awesome. People that don't are, aren't affected by time, it's not a long time. So you don't have, people in time don't have to think, oh my gosh, you know, my grandma is just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting because time isn't a thing. It's all bundled up and stuck in his pocket. Uh, so Jesus goes and it, it says that he preached to those. He preached to those that always throughout the scripture, salvation is by faith. Always. Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament, you express your faith by obeying the law. And, and out of your faith, you obey the law. But there's plenty of times that people of faith in the Old Testament broke the law and they're saved. King David, uh, Adam and Eve, you know, the, the list goes on. So it's not by just obeying the law, but they express their faith by obeying the law. In the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit in us. So we express our faith by living by the Holy Spirit that's in us. So Jesus dies, he goes down, and he preaches the gospel. I'm the Son of God. I came. I died for all sins. And all the people that had faith that God would send someone to die for them, it talks about that in Hebrews, that Abraham looked ahead, looked ahead to a city to be built. You know, Abraham looked ahead. He believed God. It talks about it in Romans. He trusted God. And so by faith, his righteousness was given to him. So that all those people go with Jesus to the kingdom of heaven, which lasts forever. Okay, remember the big string of time. Abraham dies, wins the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven isn't on that string. So Abraham dies and steps right into the kingdom of heaven with Jesus because Jesus came to get him. Does that make sense? Again, cosmic. So, oh, there she is getting her pen. So, um, so Jesus really died. He really went to the place where dead people go. And then he set everybody free from there. And, but, but to them it was death and freedom. That, that, was, that was what the timeline looked like to them. Uh, it, it talks about, in Psalms, it talks about uh, you, you won't let your Holy One see decay. And he's talking, it's David talking about Jesus, but it's also all of the sons and daughters of God who are being resurrected. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced, just to talk about conspiracy theories here for a second, I'm convinced the whole movement of zombies and vampires and all that is to scare people from, to make people afraid of people coming back from the dead. Do you know, like, when we, when we go by graveyards, I just think about uh, a huge brass band playing so loud and fireworks and m my grandma and grandpa just getting out and just dancing together as they're getting taken up. And it is going to be, like, the resurrection is the biggest party ever. Most attended party ever. 
Huge, right? People coming back from the dead is, is just so opposite of what the TV shows. There, there's, no, there's no fear in it at all. It's, um, there's a time in history in America where people were getting married, facing the east, or uh, getting buried, put in their graves facing the east, because when Jesus appears from the east, they just want to time to turn around and like where's Jesus coming you know it's like bury me facing east so when the trumpet fires I'm just boom go isn't that wild like why don't we do that anymore now you know make, make note that all these graves are all going to be like this and there's going to be one like angled weird had to buy two plots to make room for him to be east. Um, so, yes. So he owns, he has full reign over death and hell. Yeah, the, all of these ideas of, I mean, there are mentions of fire. There, uh, Dante's Inferno, he wrote in the Middle Ages, and he has all these tears of hell, and he goes into all these details about what hell is, and, and how do you suffer there, and all that. You know what? None of that matters. Like, do you want the details of something horrible? No, it's horrible. Let's, Jesus doesn't give us the details about something horrible because he doesn't want us to focus on that. On the third day he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. On the third day he rose again. I think we've talked about this before, about on the third day... How does it make sense that he died on Friday and he rose on Sunday? Because that's really only two days. But the way Jews counted their days was the day started in the evening. Because in Genesis it says, then there was evening and then there was morning the first day. So the day starts when the sun goes down. So Thursday night, the sun goes down and that begins day one. That's the day Jesus died. That night, so now we're on Good Friday. Good Friday night, the sun goes down. That's day two. You have all day Saturday. Saturday night, the sun goes down. That's day three. So in the morning of Sunday morning, that's the morning of the third day. Does that make sense? So that's why, that's where the three days comes in. Third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. Listen to this. This is Romans 8, verses 10 and 11. If Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Twice in there, it says that the spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. That is a really big deal to me. Jesus was so much a a man. At, At any moment in his life, Jesus could have played the God card. You know what? I have all the power that God has. Angels, wipe them out. 
and just level everything, right? One angel, in the Old Testament, one angel killed 168,000 men in a night. And Jesus is in the garden getting arrested. Peter chops off the guy's ear. He says, whoa, Peter, I could call in a whole army of angels. That's not, that's not how we're doing this. Jesus could have, when he's hanging on the cross, and they say, he said he was the son of God, but look at him now, he can't even heal himself. He could have just gone, bloop, and like healed everything, and stepped off of that deal, and you know, Paul is preaching to this guy that's arguing with him, and Paul says, okay, now you're going to be blind. And the guy goes blind. It's, Jesus could have struck all the Pharisees blind. That would have been like comedy. He, he could have done all these things. He could have raised himself from the dead. But he didn't even do that. He let God do it. He was so submissive to the Father that he let himself die. Even though he has power over death, he completely surrendered that power to be a man just like us. Like, I, I can't just like, and keep myself from dying. And Jesus didn't take advantage of the fact that he has that power either. And he completely let himself die. And on the third day, and like I said, Romans 8, this is 8, 10, and 11. Twice he says, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. He was so submissive to the Father that he completely died and didn't even bring himself back from the dead. He raises again, and he, he is risen to a new life. And sometimes we talk about, we have new, uh, he had a new life. He was resurrected. He had a new body. But it's really the real life that he was talking about all along. It's, it's the life that is um, completely unlimited. He can, he can show up in locked rooms. He can show up on a beach with a whole bunch of grilled fish and a fire burning. I mean, he... He's total master over creation now. This is Romans 5, 9, and 10. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. So we have been justified. The, the, the justice that needed to be done to make us clean has been done. We have been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. How much more, now that we are reconciled, will we be saved by His life? So we, all of our sins stacked up, were died for and cleansed. And now He lives, and He sits at the right hand of the Father, always talking about me. And you. And he's interceding. Have you ever, like, you sat in your car and you're waiting for something, but you see people talking, and so you make up their conversation for them, and you make all your kids laugh their heads off? My kids do this also. We'll be like, hey, look at those people waiting. Oh, hey, what are you doing? That's a nice hat you have. And they carry on, and we laugh our heads off, and it's so much fun. And then all of a sudden, something happens, and you're like, oh my gosh, don't look, kids, you know what. <laughs> what we're doing is we're getting in those people's place. 
right? Or if, you know, some of the kids will say, oh, man, look at that guy. He's like, really? He's creepy. Like, hey, you guys, come on. Let's be nice. That guy, he might have just got off working a double shift, and he has to walk home, and he missed his bus. What am I doing? I'm interceding for that guy to my kids. I'm... I am trying to paint a picture of what that guy is to my kids. And it says in Hebrews that Jesus is always doing that before God for each one of us. Isn't that a busy job? Some of us busier than others. But it's the real deal. He is all the time, oh, Father, Sudan, yeah, he does, every time that happens, he does that, and I paid for that. I paid for that one. Uh, now, but now watch this. This one's good. Oh, I told you that was coming. I don't know how it is. I can imagine it's something like that. We are saved by his life. His, de- his death washed us clean and justified us. How much more so is him continuously living forever saving us? And then, what's more, is that life that he is still living? I'm a new creation. It gets infused. It knocked my glasses off twice today. His life gets infused into me, and now I get to live his life that's still alive. And that life comes out of me, and now all of a sudden I get to, you know, out of nowhere, send my buddy in Wisconsin a text, and he texts me back, and he says, oh my gosh, you don't know how bad I had to hear that right at that exact moment. Why? Because it's Christ's life living in me to do something as stupid as send a text. And there it is. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. So, let's talk about judging. Because He's going to come again to judge the living and the dead. There was controversy in the Thessalonian church. The Thessalonians, somebody told them, that Jesus already came back and took everybody and they all got left behind, basically. And they were in a panic. They were like, oh gosh, here we missed our chance. Um, somebody also, there's also the teaching going around that if you died before Jesus came back, you, you weren't going to go be in the kingdom of heaven. Only the people that were alive when he came back were going to be in the kingdom of heaven. So then there's that. So that's where in First and Second Thessalonians he's talking about those that are dead will be raised and then we'll meet with them and all that. Listen to this. Let's talk about judgment. This is in Hebrews 2. Since therefore children share in the flesh and blood. So if you're children of somebody, you're, you're a descendant of them. You've you got the same DNA. You, you're flesh and blood. He himself, talking about Jesus, Likewise, partook of the same things. He became flesh and blood. He became an incredibly distant cousin. But still, he was born. He was a man. Um, that the, Through death, he might destroy the one who has the power over death. That is the devil. So he became a man and he died. He destroyed the devil. That is the devil. And deliver all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. If Have you ever done something and you really wanted to do it, but you really wanted somebody else to do it first? 
I will totally go off that water slide if I see another 42-year-old man go off that water slide. Because these 15-year-old kids can handle it fine. I don't know about me. That's what Jesus did. He lived the, the, uh, a, a perfect life. He died and defeated death. And he came back and he's like, look guys, you're my brothers and I did this for you and now we can all do it. We can all do this. We're all free from slavery. We, we don't have to be a slave to fear or to sin or to death. We don't have to be afraid of dying. You know, up until then, people were afraid, you know, uh, it says in um, Ecclesiastes, you know, the, the grave can't praise you. Because they didn't know what's going to happen. You know, when I die, I, don't, I mean, I can't worship God. King David, he said, you know, if I'm dead, I can't worship you, Lord, because I'll be dead. So save me. We don't have to be afraid of that anymore. He, he took that slavery of fear away. Then he says in Hebrews, it's surely it's not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. Have you ever had the boss that never worked any of the jobs that they're the boss over? And you're just like, I'm not going to listen to a word that guy says. I know he's my boss, but he has no clue, right? Well, that's wrong because he's your boss and you got to do what he says. But for our sake, Jesus, our boss, has done everything that we had to do. He's done it. I remember one time I smarted off to a gym teacher and he told me to do something. I said, I'd like to see you do this. I was a good kid in school. I never talked back to my teachers. And man, he raised right up. He said, I'd like to see you shut your mouth. <laughs> and I was like, oh. That's the most, you know, I was always a good kid. I never got in trouble. And now I got talked to like I was in trouble. When you see somebody out there doing it, doesn't it make it easier to do? If he would have said, all right, Sullivan, and dropped and like done 15 push-ups, I would have been in awe of, guy, I should not. That's what Jesus did. He did that for us. He didn't have to be a man but so that we would really grasp the fullness of what he did for us, he became a man. Though he had to be made like his brothers in every, every respect, he even died, just like we would die. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Even in the, like a modern translation, they still throw in this propitiation, uh, is to pay for it in advance really happy. Like, it's not just to pay for it in advance, it's, I'm going to pay for it in advance, but I'm going to so insanely overpay you that you're going to think I did something wrong, and then when you realize I didn't do something wrong, that I overpaid you so bad, because I just love you and I just want to throw my money at you? <laughs> Alright! That's what propitiation is. To make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Do you think Jesus, Lord over all, was tempted on his way into the place where dead people go? Right there was tempted to say, yeah, we're not doing this. 
mean, we don't have a description of it, but it's in the context of all of that. It talks about Jesus' suffering. So he's helping, he's interceding, he's teaching. I uh, just got a few more for you. John 12, Jesus says to them, Whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge them. For I didn't come to the world to judge the world, but to save the world. This is John 12. He said the same thing in John 3.17. I didn't come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I've spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given a commandment, and he told me what to say. It's, it's kind of like if there's a big sign on this that said, don't bite this wire. And Ed says, don't bite that wire. And I bite that wire, and I get electrocuted. Did Ed bring that judgment on me? The word on it and the, the power of breaking that law is what brought judgment on me. So Jesus isn't like, oh yeah, you lake of fire, baby. You are dead. He's saying, look, guys, here's what the reality is. There's this thing and you need to treat it right. And this is how the cosmos has been set up. And I am telling you how to get out of it. But if you don't listen and you do your own thing, what I told you is going to happen. He didn't come to judge the world, to tell everybody how wrong and evil they are. He came to save the world. Here's the way out. Here's the rescue. And if people don't take the rescue, they, they get it. Uh, they get the results of that. Um, there's another place where he says that it's not about rules. Matthew 7, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So this sounds like judgment, right? He's going to judge the living and the dead. These are people that carry Jesus' name around like, like they were magicians. You know, I can get whatever I want, if I say in the name of Jesus, I can cast out any demon I want to if I say in the name of Jesus. I can have my will be done if I stamp Jesus on it. And what's wild is that the name of Jesus is powerful. It's the name that every, every spiritual being in the universe will bow to that name. But you know how you watch the superhero movies and like the superhero, the comedy superhero movies where the hero is like the bungler, like Dudley Do-Right? Dudley Do-Right accidentally always saves the day. Never did it on purpose. Never, could never be called the hero because he's just an idiot. No offense to Dudley Do-Right or the Canadians. But that's what these people are like. They are saying, in the name of Jesus, let this demon be out. And the name of Jesus is powerful, and the demons recognize that name, and they're going to do, they're going to obey Jesus, but they're not going to obey these 
people trying to throw around this magic name that don't even know who Jesus is. We, the sons of Sceva all got beat up and they were doing that. But, that's Matthew 7. Matthew 25 describes people that were so following Jesus and so full of the Spirit of God that they didn't even know, they were so humble, they didn't even know that they were doing the will of God. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people from one another like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll place the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. And the King will say, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. It's a lot of stuff. The righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Thirsty and give you a drink. When did we see you a stranger and welcome you in? When did we see you naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? These people didn't even know they were serving the Lord. They had no idea. They were so filled with the Holy Spirit of God and doing what He wanted to do, they didn't even know. Whereas the other people are saying, in the name of Jesus, this demon, in the name of Jesus, that demon. So, and in the end He says, truly, as I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So again, who's the judge? Jesus is judging, but he's judging based on how what people's own decisions were. He's judging based on uh, them having a, a great chance. Jesus, Jesus has given us great chances to follow him and believe in him. And... Uh, and that's, that's why his judgment is so just. All right. Very good. I think we covered enough. Have I exhausted the whole thing yet? Uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for being our Lord. Thank you for being the just judge. Thank you for being a merciful Savior. Thank you for being a man that lived a life just like we live and struggling with all the same things we struggle with and suffering all the same things that we suffer with, even death. I pray that these things would go deep into us, Lord, that we would talk about it with our, with our friends and our neighbors and our family that will think on these things and that we will grow nearer and nearer and fuller to you. That we would see your life that saves in us and that we would see you working and, and doing all these great things, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. So church, let's carry this around that he died for our sins, but he lives for our holy righteousness. God bless you.